You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so does not cost you a single penny and ensures you never miss another episode. Before we kick off tonight's show, I did want to give you a heads up about one of our currently ongoing series, which we will actually discuss on tonight's episode, and that is our Locked On NHL Network Top 50 NHL Players. Find out on the Locked On NHL podcast hosted by Joe DiBiase, Mike DiStefano, and Rachel Donner. They reveal the top 50 players as voted on by our local experts across the Locked On NHL Network of podcasts. Subscribe and follow Locked On NHL on YouTube, and be sure to turn your notifications on so you never miss another show. As I just mentioned, part of tonight's episode will be covering picks number 30 through 21. I talked about a, a couple of previous episodes where we've had some earlier snubs. We had picks 40 through uh, 50, roughly speaking, and then from there, 40 to 31. We're getting about the midway point of the list, and now it's starting to get to the best of the best, which naturally means this is going to be the more controversial part of the list. I have a feeling a lot of the rankings are going to raise some eyebrows. We've already had a few that I was surprised made it as high as they did, and some players that I was shocked either weren't in the top 50 at all, or were ranked way too low uh, for my tastes at least. Before then, however, there have been a flurry of free agent signings. Most of them are contract extensions, maybe a couple free agent signings here and there that are actual free agents. We'll start off with the small, random ones first. Riley Shahan has signed with the uh, the Seattle Kraken for one year at $850,000, which, you know, if you're looking for a fourth liner, Riley is a guy. I still look at the Kraken, and I don't really see a lot of offensive output, so if you bring in another depth forward, I don't think it's actually that bad of a uh, uh, a thing to do. Shahan will probably eat meaningful minutes while they still try to get their prospects up to speed. Let's be honest, the Kraken's forward depth is pretty mediocre, which isn't super shocking. I mean, this team wasn't exactly constructed to be a uh, a cup contender in season one, but it's obvious that when they sort of handicap themselves and expect the teams to maybe pay up to protect certain players, they ended up falling into this trap of, of now having to build for, through free agency and maybe some trades and stuff, because the actual expansion draft, it was a little bit underwhelming. Riley's going to join as like a fourth liner most likely, but I'm sure in some emergency situations he'll have to get promoted up and down the lineup. I don't really expect this one to move the needle, but hey, the Kraken can probably use all the help that they can get right now given the uh, the thin roster at forward. We also have uh, Louis Domingue signing with the Pittsburgh Penguins for one year at 750000 which I was kind of shocked by. Louis hasn't really been playing much at all recently. If anything, he's been doing like a lot of online video content, like cooking videos and stuff, which I thought was pretty cool. I always like it when NHLers kind of expand beyond the usual scope of stuff, and if they're doing like cooking tutorials and whatnot, kind of gives them a cooler, more human side, which we don't often see. I'm surprised that Domingue still got an NHL deal, but then again, Pittsburgh's, uh, their goalie unit is pretty poor. They don't really have anyone past Jari, and... Gosh, I don't even remember who some of their goalies are. They've gone through like a a litany of backups, and I think Domingue is just another one in that long line, but hey, at least he's got a cheap cap hit. Uh, Now we're starting to move to the larger deals, and some of these are a little bit odd. Um, Henry Yokoharu has re-signed with the Buffalo Sabres for three years at around, I would say, $2.5 per season, which 
I, I don't really know if he's actually worth that contract. Yokoharu, I thought at one point, was supposed to be a pretty touted prospect. His actual NHL caliber results haven't really been up to snuff, in my opinion, especially when he was thought to be maybe like a second-pairing defender. He's really been more like a third-pairing guy, and if that's what you're getting out of a guy who's getting closer to $3 million but not quite there yet, I, I don't know if that's really worth it. You know, that's pretty expensive, especially for a player who might be, at best, like a number 5. It's only for a couple of seasons, so you can't really argue with the term, but in terms of the cap hit, it's not insignificant either. That Sabre was not the only one to resign at that price tag. We've also got Casey Middlestat with the same cap hit and term. And this one, I, I'm a little bit puzzled over this one because on the one hand, Middlestat might actually be a really good value contract, especially in like a third line role. On the other hand, it's really hard to tell if Middlestat's actually good or if he's basically like a fringe NHLer. It's been a weird career arc for him. After that one World Juniors where people sort of overrated him, he's kind of crashed back to earth, and I know that it's been a little bit of a slog for him to sort of make it to the pros, get regular NHL minutes, and honestly just break out of the AHL period. He's sort of been an okay player at the uh, at the NHL level so far. I don't know that he's like an elite center, but if you're looking for a guy who could, who could capably fill in in like a middle six role, I guess that's what he brings. If Jack Eichel does depart, it's going to put a lot of pressure on him to start performing at a much higher level, which I, I don't know if he really has it in him, but, you know, maybe from trial comes great success. I don't know. This is one of those situations where Middlestat's kind of on the border now, and this contract is probably his last real big chance to earn a long-term NHL deal. The next couple of contracts are definitely already long-term as it is. We've got Joel Farabee signing for six years at $5 million per season, which, if you're betting on Farabee to be a long-term contributor in your top six... Yeah, I mean, it's fine, you know. I'm not sure Farabee's on-ice production really matches the price tag right now, but this is the sort of deal that you're betting long-term develops into a really good value contract. I'm not going to lie, it does seem a little pricey. I know that on the on the score sheet, he does actually record a decent scoring rate, but in terms of his, like, on-ice performance, I don't know if this one moves the needle for me. It's a little bit it's a little bit sketchy, a little bit questionable, but I guess keeping the, uh, the cap hit down by a significant margin and taking him all the way to free agency could be worse. I mean, six years at the price tag that he has, it's a movable contract if things go really south. But yeah, the Flyers are kind of swinging on this one. The last deal that I actually feel very comfortable saying is a good one is Drake Batherson for just under $5 million per season. Uh, same term, you know, six years. He basically got the Farabee deal, but he's actually a much better player. Batherson is kind of an offensive monster, and without him, I think the Sens would actually be significantly worse and much harder to watch. I think his impact tends to go a bit underappreciated because he does play for Ottawa. I know that he maybe doesn't put up like the sexiest point totals, but if you want a really skilled two-way center who's got really great hands and vision, I, I think he's the exact top six center you really want to lock up long-term, and signing him for six years at the price tag that they're getting him at is pretty insane value. It does, however, make you wonder what the plan with Brady to Chuck is, because it sounds like they haven't really approached him with an offer, and right now Brady is kind of sitting and getting frustrated, so Ottawa has a bit of a decision to make on their hands coming up. Speaking of decisions, it is now time to cast your thoughts on our Top 50 NHL Players list, and we are now moving on to picks number 30 through 21. Again, this is where things start to get juicy. We have some really unusual votes here throughout most of the list. And I'm sure this middle 10 picks is going to be super controversial, but before we go into them, here's why BetOnline should be your online betting site of choice. When it comes to the wild, wild west of online betting, you need to know that there's a safe, reliable name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should put your trust in BetOnline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action coming up. 
Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at Online. Go to the website or use a mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. For brand new customers using promo code NFL100, they can take advantage of their opening day super promo where you can make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, the season opener between the Super Bowl champ Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. Even if you lose, you'll be refunded up to $25 on your wager. What's not to love? From football, basketball, boxing, and more, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. And as always, don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your 100% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV all together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract whatsoever. So get rid of that clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Go to DirecTV.com for more information. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are returning to our top 50 NHL players list, and it is now time to go through picks number 30 through 21. It has been a rip-roaring affair with plenty of hot takes and players that I'm sure people are going to yell at us for picking over their favorite players. Who cares? Let's get into the list. We have now, starting off at pick number 30, Elias Petterson. Now, if you've ever watched Elias Petherson, he, for me, is one of the most exciting centers out there. I feel like his past couple of seasons, especially last year, they were a little bit rough for him, and I, I think, in general, Vancouver has... It's really a struggling franchise, and you can kind of tell that Petherson himself is probably tired of being on a team that, frankly, doesn't have much of a direction. I think his lack of commitment is a worrying sign if you're a Canucks fan, because what he offers when he's at his best is, honestly, a really great two-way center with an unbelievable shot. His vision, his skating, his acceleration, his release, everything about him is purely elite. He's honestly one of the best centers out there, and I feel like once you actually put him on a real contender, all of the qualities that make him an elite offensive threat will start to show. But of course, until that happens, I think a lot of people are still kind of pegging him down a bit on this list. 30th overall is actually not bad, especially considering the downturn in recent form. But if he starts to explode again, I really would imagine him to shoot right back up the rankings and people will probably recognize him as truly one of the best young centers out there. At 29th overall, this one's a little bit more of an interesting choice. This is Gabriel Landeskog. And Landeskog, I'll be honest, I don't love him at 29th overall. I might put him closer to like the 50-ish range. I think that that's more where I would see him, um, especially considering some of the current exclusions and some of the players that I think should be moved up. I don't know that I would rank Landeskog at 29th. I think he's a very good top six winger, but you know, his most prime years are probably behind him, and I think at this stage, he's, again, pretty decent, but I think the offensive charm that used to be associated with his play has kind of vanished. I still think that he's very capable, and his defensive impact has apparently improved significantly over the past couple of years, but if you're in the top 30 NHL players list, you have to be really explosive, you have to bring something extra special, and I just don't see that anymore. The player above him at 28th overall, that one I much more agree with, and this is Matthew Barzal. Barzal is honestly insane. 
The stuff that Matt can do when he's really on his game and he's in possession of the puck, he is a sensational attacker. He understands space at like a supernatural level. His edge work is absolutely brilliant and his release is frankly a bomb to boot. I mean, this dude just has everything. And he also has the ability to sort of dangle between opponents and create space for himself in a way that no one else can. He kind of has that game-breaking individual ability that I more associate with somebody like, say, you know, Nathan McKinnon or Connor McDavid. Barzal's not really on the level of those players, in fact almost no one is, but he's still really freaking good. I might be more tempted to have him closer to like the top 20 than the top 30, I think he is genuinely that good at times. Again, I don't think anyone's going to complain about having him at like 28th overall. This is the sort of space where a lot of players were ranked really closely, and because of the averages being used to help determine where the voting was, a lot of players just sort of got ranked maybe several spots below what the average actual rating was. Barzal, though, actually placed pretty closely to where his actual votes were, so I think most people sort of associate him in that top 30 category, which, again, for Matt, pretty darn good. The last player we'll talk about before uh, giving a brief pause is Patrice Bergeron, and, and Bergeron for me, yeah, this guy at 27th overall, he's always been one of those true standout two-way centers that, frankly, no matter how old he gets, he just doesn't really seem to quit. I know that his on-ice impacts over the years have declined a bit, but if you want somebody who's truly one of those timeless centers, Bergeron's it. I know he's not quite on the level of like an Anze Kopitar, which is really funny that Kopitar didn't make this list, but Patrice Bergeron did. That really shouldn't be held against him as being a really great center. I don't know if he's actually in my top 50 these days. I think he could reasonably get in around the 40s range, but I, I would almost be tempted to look at the list and, and especially the snubs and maybe think, yeah, he might be a bit below that now. His defensive impact is still as good as ever. I mean, this guy, frankly, is a shutdown center. Not not like the prime years of uh, what we're used to with Bergeron, but certainly someone who understands how to adapt his game at his age, which, you know, is he's in his mid-30s at this rate, so obviously he understands that his body can't keep up as much with some of the younger players, and yet he continues to really shut down the middle and keep possession. And he's still able to effectively exit the zone, create breakouts, and really assist on the power play. So overall, you know, Bergeron... Even though he's maybe not the world's most elite center anymore, probably more in like the Nick Backstrom category of player, I still hold a flame for him. Not top 50 flame, but he's still pretty darn good. Ranked above Patrice Bergeron, we've got some interesting choices, and we'll talk about those in just a moment. But before then, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Are you someone who loves protein bars? Are you tired of all of your favorite protein bars tasting like ash and dirt? Maybe you're ready for a change. And as a fellow protein bar appreciator, I can tell you that Built Bar is your best alternative. It's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. It comes in several delicious flavors like salted caramel, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and so many other great flavors. Built Bar often releases very special, limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good, so stay tuned to their social media platforms and their website to make sure you never miss another flavor. As delicious as Built Bars are, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. Built Bars are perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. Placing your order couldn't be easier. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Place your order today for the best tasting protein bar on the market. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are continuing our top 50 NHL players list and we have covered the first few from picks 31 through tw- or 30 through 21. Now it's time to look at number 26 overall, Jonathan Huberdeau. 
And I'm going to be perfectly honest, I don't know why Huberto is ranked this highly. If you ask me uh, a player that really should deserve to be at 26th overall, I'd be talking about, you know, Matthew Barzal, maybe Shea Theodore, William Nylander, some of the guys who are even further down this list, or, in my opinion, Nikolai Ehlers, probably deserves a shot on this top 30 list. I'm just really surprised because Huberto, for most of his career, has never really approached the level of somebody that I would categorize as a top 50 NHLer. I think he's a very good top six wing at times. Past couple of seasons, I think his impact has declined and he's maybe not as good as he used to be. But 26th overall is pretty insane. And like his average rating on the uh, the voting polls is pretty high. Like he's selected around 29th or so on average, which in my opinion, again, is still too high. That one definitely sticks out. And then at 25th overall, we've got Patrick Kane. And, and Kane, I don't understand. Kane's on-ice performance has always been very poor. Even though he puts up like a ton of points, his actual ability to affect and impact the play continues to be at a very low level. Like his shooting percentage is still high, and I think he gets a lot of power play points. But, you know, outside of, uh, outside of goal scoring and stuff like that, uh, you know, his defensive work is poor. His ability to create shots individually, not as strong as it used to be. He's a very hard player to sort of analyze because, you know, his individual skill and, and ability to shoot is still at a very high level, but the rest of his game has definitely declined significantly. And I think this extends to number 24 overall, ranked just above Kane, and that's Mark Shifley. Now, Shifley probably has a little bit more of a well-rounded game. I think Shifley's ability to create and pass and, and certainly be a, a setup guy in almost every area, as well as an elite shooter, all of these things make him a lot more offensively effective. But the defensive game that Shifley has had has really fallen off over the years, and it's kind of hard to explain why. It just seems like he stopped back-checking and stuff, and it's not something that I feel like is an age-related decline so much as Shifley just changed his game, and he's never really gone back to the dominant two-way play that he was known for a couple of years ago. Like 2015, 16, 2016, 2017, those were like his prime peak years. And then everything after that, while he's still very offensively productive, you know, the, the defensive work is still a bit of a question mark. Is he a top 25 player? Offensively, yes. Defensively, no. And I feel like it kind of, it, it's bad enough on the defensive side of things, especially when he doesn't even man mark, that it'd probably knock him down to like somewhere in the 40 to 50 range. I think he's still a really great attacker, but you know, this overall game has suffered to the point where it's a bit difficult to recommend him above like the 30s and 40s. I feel like those are sort of the caps at where I would keep his game right now. Just above him, we've then got the offensive and defensive monster that is Dougie Hamilton. This guy's a really funny defender because he often has this style to his game where a lot of people think he doesn't try, but because he's so dominant in possession and he constantly bombs the puck at the net, this dude just creates so much from the back end. He's an extremely explosive blue liner with a bomb of a shot, and even though he might have some issues in specific defensive situations, overall Hamilton's just a monster on the back end. He can captain your power play, he's excellent in transition at 5v5, I mean this dude just does it all. 23rd overall, I, I think is closer to his actual rating, I'd probably have him maybe a little bit higher. He and his, uh, his cohort right above him, Adam Fox, I feel like these two guys... They're both elite defenders, and I kind of see Hamilton as being a little bit more advanced than Fox right now, although Fox is really good. I just think Fox has maybe done it in more sheltered minutes, and so Fox coming in at 22nd overall, you know, I don't know if I would rank him above Hamilton right now. I feel like this range is probably not far off from where I'd have both of them. I'd probably have Hamilton more in like the top 15 to top 20, though. I feel like that's more fair. Fox at 22, that's alright. I'd still have McAvoy above him, though. I, I think at this stage of his career, McAvoy is just the better defender. And honestly, McAvoy might be ahead of uh, ahead of Hamilton, too. 
The last player on this list that we have is Miko Rantanen, and Rantanen is probably one of the more interesting wingers because he sort of doesn't really get talked about all that much. He's kind of an odd forward because he doesn't really have like a profound impact on the ice, but he's still incredibly skilled, he fits McKinnon like a glove, his shot's great, his skating's great, he kind of looks awkward when he's out there, I mean there's this weird way that he approaches attacking space, and it doesn't always feel conventional, but he always seems to find the right spots, he's got a pretty great release, and he does seem to have some decent defensive impact. Again, his shot is probably one of the more, I, I think, strong points in his game. I don't know if I would really put him at like 21st overall though. I feel like his ability to control the ice and really, you know, control the tempo of the game, it's below some of the other guys like Matthew Barzal and Elias Pettersson. I think Rantanen's a really good facilitator and a, uh, a great shooter with some really good stick handling, but in terms of ranking him above some of those guys who are just absolute monsters in possession, I don't really see it. If you put him in more like the 40s range, I feel like that would be where I'd have him. I think he's he's good enough to slot in there, but beyond that, probably not. I think that the, uh, the 40s range would make more sense. 21 is kind of way too high for me. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this, though. Be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's rankings, though, that will do it. Next week, we'll continue to have even more rankings, going as low as 19 to 10, and then from there, we start off with the final 10 picks. Before you log off, though, don't forget to check out our Locked on Bets podcast, Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your favorite media. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go.